Hello, everyone, and welcome to our second podcast in our national conversation series about customer service in the U.S. I'm Denise Waiters with J.D. Power, and with me today is Shep Hyken. Shep is an award-winning keynote speaker, a New York Times and Wall Street Journal best-selling author, and a world-renowned expert in customer service and the customer experience. Thank you for joining me today, Shep. It is my pleasure, Denise. Thank you very much. Love the introduction. My mom would be very proud of that. <laughs> I hope to make her proud. I know you're making her proud every day. Thank you. <laughs> well, Shep, you may know that here at J.D. Power, we have been bringing unbiased voice of the customer data to the public for over 50 years. And in the next few months, we will be publishing our first ever cross-industry customer service journey study where we're evaluating customer feedback for over 100 brands in multiple industries. And these industries run the gamut. They range from banking and financial services, auto and member health insurance. We've got cell phone providers, internet service providers, utility companies. We're looking into the hospitality industry with airlines, hotels, rental car companies, and we're even looking at some of our favorite retail stores. And we're rolling out this massive cross-industry study because we believe that a good experience anywhere influences expectations everywhere. Because good customer service should be industry agnostic. It's either you're delivering good customer service and providing a good customer experience, or you're not, right? Right. So we also know that customers are smarter, they're more savvy, and much more demanding. And in turn, we talk to companies every day that are trying their best to figure out how to keep pace with these ever-increasing customer needs and expectations. So, Shep, we're getting ready for the launch of our new study by speaking to experts like you. You have an incredible background with customer service around the world. So to kick us off today, can you please just share a little bit about your background and how you got into the customer service and customer experience industry? I actually got into customer service when I was about 12 years old. And I can tell you even before that, my first job was working at my grandpa's drugstore at eight years old. And all I wanted to do was please everybody that walked through those doors. I didn't know it was called customer service. At the age of 12, I started my first business. It was a birthday party magic show business. And my parents said, you need to send a thank you note, which is customer appreciation. My dad said, you need to follow up next week and make sure that the parents were happy who hired you. Well, that's called voice of the customer, getting feedback, uh, very informal way of doing it. But my dad said something was cool is don't just ask if they liked the show, ask what tricks they liked in the show. And I said, okay. And I wasn't sure why. Remember, I'm only 12 years old. He said, you're going to hear people talk about the same tricks that they like. You're also going to notice there's tricks they never talk about. Get rid of what's never talked about. Replace it with what they will talk about, and you'll get a better show. Wow, that's called process improvement. So I had no idea that these are the tenants of great service. So when I graduated college and I was looking for something to do, uh, I saw a couple of motivational speakers. And granted, my birthday party magic show business led to me working in nightclubs and doing corporate events and comedy clubs through high school and college. So I had this entertainment background and I said, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna be a business speaker and I'm gonna talk about customer service. That was a long time ago, and here we are today. I'm still doing it uh, much deeper, obviously, than way back just getting out of college. We do research <laughs> ourselves. Uh, we work with so many great clients that have taught me so much over the last uh, several decades. Well, that's, that's, that's really nice. And, you know, your dad gave you great advice, and, you know, sometimes when we 
follow our parents' advice because they just know it naturally. You know, we learn organically and we don't even understand what we're learning. That's why children need to listen to their parents. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's that book that came out years ago, like everything I learned, I learned in kindergarten or something mm -hmm. to that effect. Yes, and I know that book. <laughs> it's so true. And and here I am, really, when I do a speech, there's there's two things. We'll talk about this later. You made the comment that there's all that that the customer is smarter than ever. And I'm gonna tell you, that's how I open my speech is talking mm -hmm. about that exact statement that you made. And uh, a, a little further into it, I I share my background about how really what I was learning as a kid is what the greatest brands are still doing today. So it's not rocket science. It's it's not complicated. It's pretty pretty simple. Now, simple doesn't mean easy, but it is right. simple in theory and concept. Absolutely. I, I absolutely agree with you. So Shep, so what do companies need to be doing today to be successful tomorrow? What can they be working on and strategizing on? Wow. I mean, they're, they're, that's a big question. As far as customer experience goes, um, here's what, what's happening. And as I mentioned, uh, you made a statement that our customers are smarter than ever. We need to be looking at um, tactics and strategies to get our customers to want to come back. And these are strategies that go beyond just what we do in our industry and what our competitors are doing. Uh, I have, a, a, I, it's, I call it a process, it's really a group of questions that we put our clients through so that they understand, number one, why a customer would do business with them, why a customer would do business with a competitor, what is the competitor doing that we should be doing, and this is where it gets interesting. Then we ask, tell us about companies you love that aren't in our industry, but it, not just what you love, or not just who you love, but why you love them. What are the very specific reasons you like these companies? And then the next question is, okay, so what are they doing that we could be doing that we're not doing? And now we're moving from just being competitive with somebody that does what we do to being looking uh, looking at world-class organizations and trying to become better in that at that level. And that's where it gets exciting. So we, we put people through this process. And I believe to be successful for tomorrow, you need to be thinking beyond just your competition. I agree with that. I, I think that, you know, if someone came to me and asked me what my favorite brand is doing, I could cite everything that they're doing. And if that competitor did the same, I would work with that competitor as well because it's all about making it easy, right? I mean, that's what customers want today. They want simple and easy and transparent and seamless service. Yep. So, and I'll add to the word, uh, a word, convenient. And convenient. Yes, yep. I agree with that. So so is that how brands make loyal customers? Well, it's a start, isn't it? Um, so we've got to give them the experience that uh, the title of my last book was titled, I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to Come Back Again and Again. So mm -hmm. we need to get them back. But if I can talk about loyalty for just a moment, loyalty mm -hmm. is about uh, an emotional connection that somebody has with a brand. Uh, and how do you get there? Well, it doesn't happen on the first visit. It starts, perhaps. Actually, many people come to a company or, or a place of business, and it doesn't matter what it is. Uh, early uh, on when we were talking, you mentioned all the different uh, organizations and or, or actually industries. This study that you're doing is for virtually any type of industry that has a customer, and that's pretty darn broad. <laughs> The first thing we want to do is get our customers to come back. But let's talk about that. 
Repeat customers are not necessarily loyal customers. There's a reason people go to that company. And if that company is, for example, I like them because they're close to me. What happens if a competitor comes in that's closer? I like them because their prices are low. What happens when there's a lower price? So we think these customers are happy because they keep coming back and they are happy, but um, what is the real reason? Well, we need to create an experience that goes beyond price, location, or something that's generic and competitive like that. We need to create the connection that makes people say, I wouldn't want to do business with anyone else. If somebody moved five miles closer, I would drive past them an additional five miles to do business with this company I love. And it could be the people, the process, the experience, the trust, the confidence. All of these add up to driving customer loyalty. When I look at companies who create loyalty programs, I'm very quick often to point out that this is not a loyalty program you've created. It's a marketing program. And mm -hmm. there's a difference. If and I'll use the airlines. And by the way, love my airline of choice. And I love the perks that they give me in the form of points and upgrades and that type of thing. But if they were to take away those perks and points or miles or whatever you want to call them, would I still want to do business with them? That's the loyalty question, you know? Right. Uh, am I really that tied to them? And we should be asking ourselves, we, brands, companies, people listening to this show should be asking, am I in that situation? Take away some incentives. Are they still going to come to me because they love me? And those incentives are often in the form of points and perks. And Shep, I so agree with you. There's this there's this pizza joint around the corner from my house, and their pizza is just lackluster. It really is, but it's so convenient. And uh, when I need to make dinner on, you know, quickly, I run to that pizza joint. But when I want really good pizza, I go out of my way to go get it. Right. So right. I'm hoping that this pizza joint does not think I'm loyal because I enjoy it. It's just that they're right around the corner. They're quick. They're easy. But I'm not loyal. <laughs> yeah, and Denise, to your point, this is why companies need to find out why their customers are doing business with them. And I'll also right. add, we want to find out uh, and we want to identify the buying patterns of different customers. Let's just take a hair salon, for example. When they have really a very clear understanding of the different types of customers they have. For example, uh, a typical uh Male customer might come in once every month or so to get their hair cut. Somebody else might get their hair colored. Somebody might get a perm. So there's a cadence that your customers have based on what they're buying from you. And they've mm -hmm. identified this. And when they notice that the customer is out of alignment with what's typical of that customer, they reach out to figure out why. They want to get them back. They don't want to lose them to a competitor. So they're, uh, they have a really good grasp of what it takes to get customers to come back. Ideally, we want them to be loyal. So they may love uh, the location's fine, but really what they love is the person that's actually doing their hair. And by the way, that's important to note too. If that person were to leave and go to a competitor, there's a pretty good chance that customer would go to the competitor to follow what they love about that business. So that's a whole other conversation we can have, whether it's a person or a product. You know, if you've got a great product and you discontinue it, but your competitor has it, guess what happens? You could lose them there as well. So uh, keep all that in mind as you're thinking about loyalty versus repeat business. Well, Shep, that's actually a great segue into the next question. 
And the next question is, how much of the agent experience do you think impacts the customer experience? So, okay, this is a great one. Years and years ago, this was called customer service. Mm -hmm. I actually don't believe customer service is a department. I think it's a philosophy that gets embraced by every employee. There is a department that supports customers. And typically the agent experience is happening after the sale is made. It's uh, a question a customer may have. Uh, they may need help. It's not necessarily a complaint, although sometimes it is a complaint or a problem that the customer has. It's the way that that agent manages the experience and the process the customer has to go through to get to that agent that creates confidence for that customer to say, I like doing business with them, I wanna come back. There is a particular company that I work with um, that, that I buy all my URLs for my websites and, and you know all the like hiking.com and all that. The most amazing thing is I know they have, gosh, I don't know, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of customers. I've never had to wait more than 60 seconds when I call them. So guess what? You know, I, 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 we do research as well. And we mm -hmm. ask customers, would you rather clean a toilet or call customer support? It's amazing how many people would rather <laughs> clean the toilet because here's what they typically experience. I'm going to call them up. I'm going to be put on hold. Uh, I'm going to have to wait forever. When they come on, I'm going to have to tell them everything about me, including my firstborn child's name, my mother's social security number, et cetera, et cetera. And then I'm going to find out they're not the right person. I'm going to have to talk to somebody else. And this goes on and on. But this is unfortunately what some people have experienced. Sure, I'm exaggerating. But this particular company, I've never waited more than 60 seconds. I've never been transferred to somebody to get more information because this person didn't have it. Now, they have told me, can I call you back in an hour because I want to get some information. I want to consult a colleague. I just love the experience. I know there are a few dollars more per year, each URL, than anyone else. I mean, a number of other companies. Guess what? I'm not going there. I don't want to risk the experience. The agent experience is crucial to getting a customer to say, I want to come back. So, so Shep, um, do you have an example, and, and you mentioned one at the top of the hour, but do you have an example of a simple change that a company can introduce relatively quickly and easily to elevate the customer experience? Wow, so there are uh, several things. Number one is stop seeing it, uh, customer experience as a tactic or a strategy and start looking at it culturally. And mm -hmm. I think one of the simplest things a company can do, uh, well, there's a number of things, but let me give you one idea. I can give you seven, but uh, here's one. Mm -hmm. Create what I call the mantra, the one statement that defines what the customer experience is supposed to be. And it's real simple. Once you have this statement that defines, and by the way, this isn't necessarily for the public. It's something that's internal. It can be used for the public and it doesn't matter if they find out about it. As a matter of fact, it might be good for them to know about it. But at the end of the day, this is a statement that guides the behavior. So underneath this statement are, you can call them core values, behaviors. Uh, we like to focus on what are the non-negotiable behaviors that drive this statement. And we've worked with a number of companies to develop their mantra. Oftentimes it's already in their, their bigger vision and value statement. But the key is creating a statement that's so simple and easy to remember that you can go to any colleague, employee, whatever you want to call them, coworker, and you can say, tell me what our service vision is or, or service experience. And they can recite it. And it's, it's out there all the time, constantly being communicated and reinforced. 
So, so all right, so let's um, move into technology, Shep. So on the technology front, are there any new developments that you've seen that have made significant impact on the customer experience? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start. There's ChatGPT, which is AI. I mean, yes. Uh, let's go back to what a uh, great service experience is really all about. A hundred years ago, 500 years ago, whenever the first customer, and I actually wrote an article about this uh, stone that is the first customer service letter. It was etched in stone and it's in a museum, I believe in London somewhere, of the first complaint letter that was ever documented. And it was like in ancient times. If you look at then and you look at now and you look at a hundred or 200 years from now, it's all the same. Customer has a question, a problem, an issue. They want it resolved, they want the question answered, and they want to be happy when it's over. That has not changed. But in the middle, my gosh, so much has changed. It used to be the only way you can get services is uh, in person or write a letter. Then the phone came along. And then there's multiple ways of communication. The biggest technology that's making a change today is AI. But it's not just from this year or last year. Uh, I was back in around 2014 or 15 working with IBM and they brought me into something called Cognitive College. They put me through a course so that I would understand how AI works and interacts with the customer experience. I remember my, my uh, final assignment is, uh, and I chose a bike shop, I had just bought a bike. What if it was a complete um, AI-driven interaction where I went on a website and I said, I'm interested in buying a bike, and the, the bot, the chat bot comes back and says, well, well uh, what kind of a bike? Would you like a road bike, a mountain bike? And is this bike for you or is it for someone else? And so this bot is asking me all these questions and based on the answers, we're going down this path giving me what I want. Well, today, that experience is multiplied uh, by more than 10. The chat GPT experience allows for contextual understanding. Um, it's, it's unbelievable what can be done. But here's what's really cool. Most people today are thinking that AI is driving a digital experience that is focused on giving the customer a better experience. But we just uh, did a study with a, another research company where we interviewed managers of contact centers and we found out that the bigger use of AI is being used internally to support agents who are now able to give better answers to their customers and in doing so are allowed to build relationships with a human to human contact. There's still a place for digital experience and there always will be. And we want our customers to, you know, hey, instead of calling reservations for your next flight, why don't you just go online and, and book it online? It's so much easier, quicker. You won't ever be on hold. That's a great experience, but no, there's always a reservationist that's behind there ready to help you if you need something, if you have a problem or it's a bigger, more complicated uh, itinerary that you're trying to create. But that's what AI is doing today is it's, it's, it's being used to give us great answers. It's also used to understand who our customers are, understand their buying patterns, allowing us to make suggestions to those types of customers based on buying patterns. And uh, you know, one of the things that was really cool is we were working with a, a, a client and this was through IBM and I, this was the, the case study. Um, I'm an agent, I'm talking to a customer 
while I'm talking to the customer, the computer is listening to the conversation. I don't even have to type anything. And they're telling me who this customer is, what they've bought in the past, how often they've called for support. They know this customer so well that they're able to match up this customer's profile to thousands of other customers that are identical. And then they make suggestions. This customer doesn't even know the next question they're going to ask, but we're gonna tell you what it is. <laughs> You can start wow. to address it before they even have the question. We can start to suggest and, and ethically upsell and cross-sell products because we know this is what the customer is going to need. So that is a great use of AI technology to support the agent who's then supporting the customer. So uh, I know I've talked about the digital uh, self-service experience and how, uh, so th those are a couple different directions. You got it on the front line and you got a customer using it. So. Uh, that's technology. We could speak for hours and hours on this. Yes, we could. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm anxious to see how this technology actually, you know, evolves because, you know, we, we just get better and better at, um, you know, delivering on the experience. So I'm looking forward to, you know, what happens going forward with that. Yeah, me too. It's very exciting. <laughs> and you know, what's really cool is that it's not that expensive anymore. Chat GPT, that type of technology, being able to create a data set that uh, is, sits on top of the chat GPT platform so customers can interact and talk to them in normal language. And, and if the customer doesn't understand the answer, could say in the, to the bot, if you're typing it out, could you please, you know, I'll use the words, dumb this down for me or, or explain it to me like I'm in sixth grade and it'll reiterate the same answer a different way to help you understand it. We, this was never available before. And when I tell you inexpensive, even tiny, small companies now have the capability of doing this for minimal expense, giving their customers a much better experience. So, so Shep, so with that, what, what brands do you think are setting the bar for, for the customer experience? So I, I, this is a great question. And you know I usually try to stay away from saying some brands are better than others, but I can tell you when I do a keynote speech and I, it, depending on the type of audience I have, I might say, hey, everybody, uh, who do you love doing business with? Somebody, tell me a company you love. Mm -hmm. well, what do you think the first company that or most of the time is mentioned? I'll let you guess this. I'll so I would, guess, I would guess Amazon. Bingo, ding, ding, ding. That is the correct answer. <laughs> Thanks for playing the game. <laughs> so, and, and here's why uh, a company, and by the way, some there's naysayers for every type of company. I mean, so why Amazon? Well, this is what people love about Amazon. Uh, they love that, it, first of all, it's a 24 hour, seven day a week operation, never sleeps. Uh, number two, it's self-service, but it's so intuitive and so easy. Number three, it's similar to the experience I have in a retail store. I go onto my Amazon site, it says, welcome back, Shep. Hey, the last time you were here, you looked at this. Can I recommend some other products? Uh, and it's just like I'm talking to a salesperson. So they're creating this experience. Then when I actually place the order, they tell me it was placed. Then they tell me it was shipped. Then they tell me it was received, uh, received, it was delivered. They even send me a picture of it leaning against my door. This is what happens is Amazon's created this system in this process where the customer has such confidence. And then you look at other companies like, let's use Chick-fil-A in, in the food service world, uh, you know, quick serve uh, restaurants. Boy, it's my pleasure. You know, that's, that's what it is all about, is this unbelievable experience that you have. You know what, the chicken sandwich is pretty darn good too, but those people are so friendly. Uh, so you've got companies like Chick-fil-A and Amazon and Apple and 
they're the ones that are setting the bar for every other company. Because when we go to do business with any other company, our baseline for great service is coming from these great brands. So we want that from anyone we do business with. And when we don't get it, we're disappointed. And if we can find somebody that will give it to us, we'll switch to that retailer or that business as well. Absolutely agree with you. So Shep, you are a New York Times and Wall Street Journal best-selling author. How many books have you written and co-written? Well, wow. I've written eight books and I have uh, been co-authoring, uh, I think there's five that I co-authored. That's a lot of books, Shep. <laughs> <laughs> that is a lot. And so, I, you know, you, you truly are, you know, an expert on the customer experience. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your latest book? Sure, sure. And know that every book that I write has uh, the root of my first book, which was written in the 80s, titled Moments of Magic. And it comes from the idea that every interaction you have is an opportunity for a, a customer to form an impression. And that impression could be bad, it could be mediocre, it could be a moment of magic, anything better than average or just okay. So that's in every book, but the most recent book is titled I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to Come Back Again and Again. And there is the basic, what I call my core principle in that first chapter. But it is all about what are we doing to drive, you know, so this is what it is. It's not about customer service or experience. That's just the words we use to describe the process of the end result, which is, does the customer come back? Mm -hmm. And uh, so is it because of our great service? Eh, probably that's part of it. You know, there, we talked about earlier, there's different factors that drive repeat business and ultimately loyal business. But, uh, and, and, and I, I know I mentioned a little bit about that process of the questions that we ask our clients. Um, and, uh, you know, we take them through that process to make them world-class, not just uh, a competitor within their industry. So all of this is in that book. And the idea is I wanted to create uh, this book that would just give ideas to companies and employees. And it's a book that every employee should read. At the end of every chapter, there's questions that you can sit down as a group and answer so you can make that chapter come to life and operationalize it. But there's so many simple ideas. And by the way, again, I'll emphasize, simple is what it's about. It's not complicated. Doesn't always mean it's easy. When I take my clients through some of this, uh, I'll have somebody say, you know, how long is this gonna take? Well, if you're a company that has 75,000 employees, it's gonna take a long time. If you have 700 employees, we could probably do this within a year or so. So Shep, listen, as, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, our cross-industry customer service journey study is gonna be published in a few months. And, and the brands are in all of these industries. So just for fun, can you predict which industries you think might rise to the top in terms of delivering on the customer experience? Oh, wow. Uh, industries that will rise to the top. Just for so, fun. You know, <laughs> I, I think uh, this is tough because within every industry, there are companies that rise to the top. I mean, mm -hmm. y y you could look at uh, the airline industry and because... Uh, you've got weather issues, mechanical issues, and I always keep this in mind. I don't want to be up in the air when we find out there's a mechanical issue. I'd rather be on the ground, a little delayed. That's fine. I'll deal with the inconvenience. But right. beyond that, I, I, the reason I mentioned this, like, uh, you know, I and there's certain airlines that are recognized for great service, but understand this, there's an on-time um, study and almost one in five flights are delayed or canceled. One in five. 
Okay. Wow. Maybe today it's in the low 80% of on time, but that means, you know, 15 to 20% is is, is not there. If a salesperson is calling on a company and, and one out of five times they're late, you know, or they cancel the appointment at the last, what confidence do you have in that salesperson? The point I'm trying to make is, as I look at the different industries, retail banking, credit cards, auto, insurance, all of these different industries, within each industry, there are going to be rock stars. And those mm -hmm. are the companies that come out ahead. Uh, I love the hospitality industry because that is where you have the most opportunity to make impact. I believe that uh, depending on the type of brand, you're looking at some great industries. And I'm getting around the actual <laughs> question that you asked. So, um, I it's think a retail, it might be a trick question, too. It, it might have been a it trick is. question. Every one of these uh, <laughs> industries has a rock star, and then there's the laggards that we all remember uh, about this. So it doesn't matter what industry it's in. You're going to find somebody that's great and somebody eh, not so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Shep, I think that's going to wrap it up for us today. Again, this discussion was a part of a national conversation about customer service in the U.S. and the customer experience. I'd like to thank you for your time today and for sharing your experience and all of your insight. Thank you for coming and hope you come back. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Thank you. Absolutely. And listeners, I also want to thank you for tuning in. And if you'd like to receive additional information on today's topic, please visit us on our website at JD Power forward slash business. Till next time.